Grace Bible Church, welcome back to the Midweek Podcast. Once again, we are here, and uh, we're having the, the blessing of sitting down with Mike and Karen Stewart today. Y'all, thank you for being here with us. Appreciate the pleasure. opportunity. Yeah, good. Uh, Brent, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> you know, I've had a few cups of coffee, a couple cups of tea. It's that season. It's tea season. Tea season, Around right. here. Yeah. So everybody's drinking their tea and uh, enjoying time together. <laughs> so I love this time of year. A little bit of fall's kind of coming, getting closer. The trees are just preparing to change. Uh, but one of the components uh, that I do love, this is a really hard, sudden transition into this, though, uh, is, is being able to hear how the Lord's worked in, our, in, uh, in the people's lives that are part of Grace Bible Church. And uh, one of the things I've been kind of amazed at since being here is it's not just the university that draws people in Nacogdoches. It's different seasons of life as well and from all over. So uh, Mike and Karen, you all moved here uh, was about two years ago. One, one year, year ago, just one year ago. <laughs> wow. Incredible. Uh, well, would you tell us a little about, uh, Mike, if you would go first, tell us about how you came to know the Lord, and uh, uh, and then uh, uh, and then we'll let Karen share next, and then how you all end up meeting each other. Okay. I grew up in a little town in northern Oklahoma, like about 1,800 people, a little wheat farming town, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought about what you need to do to be a success in life. And in high school, in a little town in northern Oklahoma, that meant uh, make good grades, um, do well athletically, do well socially. And I was able to achieve that. But I still kept having nagging doubts. Is, uh, is this all there is to life? This is supposed to make me happy. Hmm. But uh, I wasn't there. And uh, more of the same in college. I saw how, pe- how people were trying to um feel successful and accomplished in college and through through drugs and alcohol and relationships and none of them seemed any happier than I was so mm-hmm. I thought well that's not the answer and uh I came into contact with a group of people they were campus crusade uh college students and they had um they had a stability about them that I did not Uh, My emotional stability depended on uh, how the athletic team did that weekend or how (laughs) I did on the last test, and they seemed to be much more even keel. And so as I got to know them, um, they they talked about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I had believed in God. Uh, I was a forestry major, and so... I believed in the order of nature because I got tested on it every time I went to class. (laughs) We had uh, leaf tests and twig tests and bark tests and scatter 25 pine cones on a table and tell me what kind of pine cone it is. So Mm -hmm. I was utterly convinced that there was order in in nature, but I did not have a personal relationship with God. And so one morning, um, early Saturday morning, I went to the fifth floor of the library, and you can imagine how deserted that is at seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and uh, I asked Christ to come into my life to, uh, to be my Savior and Lord and to make me the kind of person that he wanted me to be. Hmm. And so in a, in a nutshell, that's it. Very good. And, uh, and so uh, we'll, we'll get the next part of your story, but let's hear how, Karen, how did you come to know the Lord? Where did you grow up at? Well, I grew up in Michigan. Um, I grew up in a Catholic home. And so I from the very earliest remembrances, grew up with a very deep 
love for God and reverence for God. But I also balanced, since it was the old Catholic Church, that idea of working for my salvation with my love for God. And as I grew into a young adult, even though I was a, quote, good Catholic, unquote, um, I knew I was falling short. I knew there was no way that what I had inside of me would meet God's standard for holiness. Mm -hmm. About this time, my brother went off to college. He was two years older, and he became a Christian. And my response was, well, he's not into drugs or wild parties. That's probably better than nothing. And he came home that summer and he just lived it in front of me, but never said anything. He did not share the gospel. Someone else got partway into the story of that and then kind of backed out. And so by the time I went to school my freshman year, I was trying to figure out how to make all these pieces fit together. I looked at a Boy Scout manual one day and saw a picture of Boy Scout holding a Boy Scout manual that had a Boy Scout holding a Boy Scout manual. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> This is eternity. That's what eternity is. And I don't know where I'm going to be. Hmm. And my whole body just went cold and I was so frightened. Hmm. And so my freshman year, um, they had an activity fair and I walked around looking at things and a girl walked with me. And as we walked back across the green, she said, you know, Karen, I noticed you went to a lot of Christian things. Are you a Christian? And I looked at her and said, I don't know, will you please explain to me what a Christian is? Wow. <laughs> and after she picked her chin up off the floor, she very graciously and kindly did that and answered my questions. Huh. Um, being the kind of person that I am, I said, well, I have to think about that a little bit. <laughs> um, I need to know how that fits into what I've always known. And um, it wasn't much longer than that, though, that I was surrounded by those friends that she had, they included me, and the love they had for one another taught me in a very real way that Jesus was real, and the relationship mm. they had was the piece I was missing. Mm. And so by myself one evening, I accepted Christ in my dorm room, and then later they said, Karen, have you have you accepted Christ? Because we've seen some real changes in you. And wow. I said, oh, yeah, I just didn't think to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's been an interesting time since then. God has brought many faithful people into my life to mentor me, to teach me, to encourage me. And, wow. Um, we've been through a lot of ups and downs in life, but yeah. God's always been faithful. Yeah, so you're, you're both Midwesterners. So this uh, this Texas, uh, <laughs> what do you call this? A cold, this cold we have now. It's in the forties, fifties. Yes, Texas cold, and it's like seventy five or eighty like by one again two o'clock, and then you're sweating all day. I'm not quite used to that part myself yet, but uh, I can I at least know how to dress for the first part of the day. But share with us how how you came to move down here to Texas and and uh, and I know serve in vocational ministry as well for many years. And uh, would you all just share part of that story with us before uh, you can tell tell us how you uh, came to Nacogdoches? Um, after I graduated from college uh, during my junior and senior years, I, I just uh, was more involved in Campus Crusade and. As a result, I saw my life become much more stable, not so mm -hmm. up and down emotionally. And uh, I realized that when Christ is under control of my life, I'm a success. Mm. There's a verse in Colossians that says, whatever you do, do your work heartily, and it's for the Lord rather than for men. And to me, that meant that there's only one person I have to please. So I don't have to please my coach, my teacher, my girlfriend, my parents. I have to please God. 
So that really simplified life to me. Hmm. Um, as I neared graduation, I thought about uh, where do I go to serve God? And uh, the best place I could think of was the people that, that I had been uh, working with. And, and so I went on staff with Campus Crusade. And uh, they sent me to uh, Denton, Texas, the University of North Texas. And so I was on staff there for four years. And uh, um, being in fraternities and uh, leading Bible studies in dorms, and I really enjoyed that, meeting college kids. And during that time, there was a church called Denton Bible Church that was getting started. This is uh, late 70s. And uh, so... Um, mostly college kids, and we met in a, in a gym on the north side of town called the Optimus Club Gym, and we would have to sweep it out every, uh, every Sunday morning because of the events of the previous night and before we could have church. And so they asked me to be in leadership, um, to be an elder, and uh, at that time, it was such a youth-dominated church that if you were 30, you were elder material. <laughs> yeah. So I was an elder. <laughs> so Very good. Very good. And you went, uh, So tell us how you all ended up coming to meet each other. Well, um, we did not meet until much later in life. Yeah. Um, we both have a previous marriage, which unfortunately ended in divorce for both of us. Sure. Um, neither one of us wanted those divorces and worked actively toward reconciliation, but unfortunately our ex-partners were not willing. Um, and so one of the ministries that had helped me a great deal was divorce care. Hmm. It, it's a Christian-based recovery ministry. And I had just bought, my divorce was final, um, and I had just bought a new house or was ready to and decided I needed to check out a church first and ended up in the church where Mike was leading the divorce care ministry that I volunteered in. And so we had worked together in ministry for quite some time um, there for about a year when one of the pastors at that church decided to start a church in the community that, we, that I lived in. Mm. And it, so I didn't have a long commute. <laughs> and Mike went on staff there um, and the divorce care ministry needed a female partner to help make it go. And so we worked together into that ministry and our friendship gradually blossomed into more. Hmm. Um, at this time I was a single parent of three children. Hmm. And so I really wasn't very interested in dating and always said, if God was going to bring someone into my life, he'd have to drop them in my life just in his own way. And I remember a dear friend saying, have you looked to see if there's a parachute in your backyard? <laughs> <laughs> so I never had a question about whether Mike really loved me when he asked me to marry him. And I had two teenagers and a preteen at home that he was adopting into his mm. lifestyle when he'd never had children. Mm. So That is awesome. And so you served for, uh, tell us about your experience and decision to move to Nacogdoches. How did that all shuffle around? Because you moved here when COVID, I mean, COVID's still a thing, but you moved here mm -hmm. during COVID. Tell us about that experience coming here. And when, for the record, we love Vince and Autumn Walsh. They are mm -hmm. a blessing. And so uh, if people don't know them, you need to get to know them. Uh, they're a special couple. So uh, tell us about how you ended up coming here to Nacogdoches. 
Well, we would come to visit uh, Vincent Autumn two or three times a year, every year for probably 12 years, something like that. And we would drive out of town and and we would have this feeling, wouldn't it be great to live in Nacogdoches? <laughs> and so uh, it's such a beautiful town with the trees and the hills and everything. And we just thought, wow, that would be, uh, that would be paradise for us. Hmm. And so uh, when our careers both ended in, in McKinney, we thought, well, now's the time. And uh, through a series of events, we, uh, we sold our house in like a day and a half and uh, found a house here. And uh, God just orchestrated the whole thing. We, we exchanged a 24-year-old house for a four-year-old house and made $20,000 in the flip. Hmm. So uh, we thought, God's in the middle of this. He must want us here. Hmm. And also, a big part of that draw was spending time with our young grandchildren while they were still available to have time for us. Mm -hmm. um, as an ex-elementary school teacher, I have spent my last 17 years of teaching were teaching other people's kindergarten students, loving mm. on them and nurturing them. And my heart just longed to be able to give some of that love and nurture to my grandchildren on a more regular basis. So um, Autumn is my daughter. And so Bryn, Will, and Wes are our grandchildren. And right now our only grandchildren. So even though we left a son and his girlfriend in the Dallas area, there was not much... Um, hesitancy to move here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We thought we better get, get down here while the, the grandkids still thought it was cool to hang around with Grammy and <laughs> <laughs> For sure, legends, absolutely. Well, that's a, you know, I think that that decision to be able to to come here, though certainly the, the grandkids have a real pull, uh, the ability to see how your all's decision to cannonball into the life of the church, even though COVID brought and a lot of different restrictions and things like that on it, uh, you all, uh, I know, Karen, you've hosted the FFE group. Uh, Sarah, I know, has been blessed by that and enjoyed that. Um, uh, Mike, you've spoken to the men's uh, group, will be a part of men's huddles. Um, you all part of small group. Uh, just regularly, every Sunday, you see, you're connecting, talking with somebody else, engaging other people. You have very much a, uh, a pursuer's mindset, and that, that sticks out just on a Sunday morning. We see that on a regular basis, and that is a huge blessing in life for church. So uh, we're grateful for you. Uh, one thing I do want to ask is, is what's something that is kind of maybe characteristic about the church that you've seen that you expected or didn't expect? Doesn't have to necessarily be a good thing. Uh, we'll just edit it out if it's a bad thing. No, just joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can answer that. Yeah. Um, we have been attending Grace Bible Church on and off over the years when mm. we would come to visit, and we're always drawn to the strong biblical teaching and um, just the people that we would even meet in a visit. Mm -hmm. But the thing that has been overwhelmingly um, a blessing to me is the fact that even people who have been a part of the Grace community for years and years and years still have open hearts toward newcomers mm -hmm. and have embraced us and made us feel welcomed and part of the community. Mm -hmm. um, what I call the body life of the church is just vibrant. Mm. And I I really cherish that. And I'm grateful to be part of it. Just within our, our little circle on Summerhill Circle, um, we had people coming to greet us as we were unloading the truck. <laughs> and within uh, four days, we uh, attended a Bible study at, at Ralph and Theta's house. And... Uh, 
people were very concerned about us during the ice storm, you know, and inviting us to their home, those that had a generator. And so we just thought, this is incredible. Um, we come from a larger city and suburban areas, and, and that doesn't exist there. People mm. are a little bit uh, hesitant and maybe suspicious about having um, other people in their home, and we found that not to be the case here. Mm. Well, that's uh, you know, one of the things I even failed to, to mention is in the spring. Well, we hope to have reengage that will begin, and uh, mm. uh, and you all, uh, uh, Larulam, will be a part of helping make that that go. It's still a little ways off, but uh, again, just that that intentionality, that encouragement. Mike, you've treated me to lunch. Um, I, I promise I didn't leave my wallet in the car. You really did just <laughs> offer to treat me to, to lunch, and uh, you're, you're such a constant encouragement. You know, part of the weight of that it is to to serve in ministry, and and I appreciate your. Uh, regular encouragement that you give me. Uh, one of the things as we continue on this Sunday, uh, we're, sermons entitled uh, Israel's First Steps, but we'll be looking at Exodus 13, 1 through 2, the two verses we skipped over, and then 11 through 22 this week. Uh, and one of the components we're going to draw out of that is uh, we, we were introduced to the Lord who's uh, leading the people by pillar of fire and, uh, and by cloud. You know, the same one, just seen differently in the night and the day. And this is the first time that Israel's seen the Lord in that way. They've only seen Moses. They've seen how the Lord has worked. But uh, they see this manifested presence of the Lord as He's leading them. And His presence, uh, at the end of verse 22, we get this insight that the Lord's presence is with them. They take an inefficient route in the direction they're going, uh, which uh, certainly I'm sure some people gave their feedback on that, possibly. It doesn't tell us that they did, but it, <laughs> Moses goes into detail to tell us the why. So it's probably a good chance that he had to explain the why several times. Uh, but uh, the great comfort that the Lord is leading the people to a place, but His presence with them is a guarantee of the hope that's to come. The promised land's to come. They're not, they're not behind where they need to be. They're not ahead of where they need to be. They're with the Lord and the promised guarantee of what is to come. And one of the observations we're going to draw out is, uh, as believers in the New Covenant, uh, we have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, He indwells us. This, as Ephesians 1 depicts, this guarantee of the inheritance that is to come, this promise of the presence of the Lord in us, uh, that is a guarantee of a future inheritance that is ours. That's that's a, a certainty. So it's going to be a sweet observation to be able to pull out and the uh, and the directness that God makes such an intentional point uh, that they would be consecrated. That's why we you'll see why we sow one through two uh, with these other verses because the people right away as they're being led out of Israel of Egypt. Uh, are to be reminded that they are the Lord's. They're not to be led out for their own endeavors. They're to be led out to serve the Lord, and He has a plan for their lives. Uh, so looking forward to that. And Stephen, I know this Sunday we'll be having the choir. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, the choir will be back up. We're trying to have kind of a regular, maybe like every three-week type of a rotation with them. Um, and just as a reminder of what, why they're there, you know, they're there to, to help support congregational singing, to encourage the church to, to be active in congregational singing. And, you know, um, this past Sunday, you, you drove us to really remember and consider how important that time is. And I think what would be important to remember is that, um, you described us all as an orchestra, but also we're, we're also a choir. We could probably use Mm -hmm. that parallel as well. We're one giant choir. Um, and Every member is needed, you know, to be there to sing the truth over one another. Um, that that would be an encouragement to the person you're standing beside, uh, or behind, or in front of. Um, that you would help, you know, encourage the body as we worship together. So the choir is there to do that as well to help be part of that aid. But but you, as you're listening to this, uh, church member, <laughs> you are 
you are a, a, a vital part of that ministry as well as we mm-hmm. seek to to sing the truth together. So it'll be a sweet time, and it always is. You know, it, it always is sweet to sing of the good news of Christ. So absolutely, yeah. Well, Mike and Karen, thank you all for being here today and sharing with us. Uh, we're so grateful to have you here. Blessed to, to know you both. And, um, yeah, thank you for being a part of our body. Yeah. Our pleasure. Thank you. (laughs) Good. Yeah. Well, church, we, uh, we love you and, uh, we can't wait to be with you again this Sunday to worship the Lord. Uh, our God is good and he's worthy of, of praise. We'll see you.